Hey, what's going on? Sean here with your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors. And on today's show, we are breaking down the Toronto Raptors win over the Milwaukee Bucks last night in Milwaukee to push their win streak to four and move above 500 for the first time in quite a while as well. We're going to talk about Pascal Siakam, who has reached kind of a peak form, the best of both of his last two seasons, all coming into one package. He's been incredible. We'll dig into that. We're also going to talk about Scotty Barnes, who had himself maybe his worst game as a rookie. We'll talk about why that's not really that big a deal and also dig into where he fits on this fully healthy Raptors team and to close things out of course we got the dude of the game as we always do that's all coming up on today's episode of Lockdown Raptors oh like because when I shot I expected to make it so like I don't shoot kind of this you are Locked On Raptors part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1091 of Locked On Raptors for uh, Thursday, January the 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors as well. Please subscribe to, rate, review on all your favorite podcast platforms for the low, low price of free as well. And you can find the podcast free on YouTube. Just hit that big red subscribe button. It's very helpful. It makes me feel good. Strokes the ego and all that good stuff. So please go and support over there. And as always, a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day. All right. On today's show, the Raptors pulled off their fourth straight win last night over the Milwaukee Bucks. 117-111. Going to dig into my big takeaways. Really all about Pascal Siakam off the top. We're going to talk about Scotty Barnes as well, who might have had his worst game as a rookie. It was jarring to see him look like a rookie. We'll talk about it. We'll dig into why it's not that big a deal and sort of look at where he slots in on this team. Now that there's four guys who are taking a lot of shots, Scotty is kind of falling down in the ladder of responsibility. Is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? We'll dig into that. I know we're just a couple weeks away from everyone being on the, all right, just give Scotty Barnes 25 shots a game train. That seems to have cooled down and for good reason, because the Raptors core guys are now healthy and they're very good. As it turns out, Uh, we're also going to close out the show with the dude of the game. Someone who has appeared a lot in the dude of the game lately and is very deservingly there. Once again, we'll get to that at the end of the show, but let's begin with Pascal Siakam who right now is playing like the best versions of himself from the last two seasons. You think back to 2019-20 when he goes from being that sort of outlet, that role player on that title team next to Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry, really just kind of taking advantage of all the attention paid to Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry, taking advantage of the incredible passing chops of Marcus Gasol, fit perfectly into that team. It was just like an absolutely harmonious fit. But then he goes to the next season, 2019-20, and completely changes his shot profile, becomes this on-ball wizard. He's hitting pull-up threes from above the break. He's no longer really shooting corner threes. That kind of still persists to this day. He you know, has the ball in his hands quite a bit. He's being used on both ends of the pick and roll. And as an offensive player, that was kind of his peak as a scorer, right? He was around 24 points a game for much of that season. Uh, you know, Had really, really big explosions throughout that year. 
And then last season, it was a little bit of a different story, right? I think there's this sort of impression that Siakam was bad last year. I don't think that's the case. He was worse as a scorer, for sure. But the other elements of his game, in particular, his playmaking came along in a pretty profound way. He averaged four and a half assists. He was sort of surveying and reading the floor in a really effective way. And doing so with really, really subpar teammates most of the time, and more often than not seeing two or three bodies anytime he decided to take a foray into the paint. This year, you're seeing all of the best parts of those two seasons come together. The scoring is excellent. You know, he's up to 22.2 points a game since that disastrous four-point outing against the Utah Jazz, the team the Raptors play tomorrow, actually, uh, back on November the 18th. And he has been at obviously 25 a game over the last five here. He's been kind of putting it up and has looked really comfortable doing so. He's able to get to the basket whenever he wants, essentially. The last uh, or the first couple of possessions that he had the ball last night against the Bucks were kind of a great example of the newfound space that this team has within it because they're playing good players who are threats to score at basically all spots in that starting five, even with Scotty Barnes still kind of being a little bit raw. You know, but he's been totally fine spacing to the corners, happy to take those threes when they come to him. He's obviously a good cutter and doesn't get in the way of Pascal Siakam the way, say, Aaron Baines did last year, where he was constantly clogging the driving lanes that Siakam kind of thrives on. And you saw last night, those first couple possessions, he gets downhill from like 30 feet out, sizes up Chris Middleton and just completely blows by him. He missed the first one and just kind of rimmed out. He hits the second one. I think it was an and one. And that's the kind of example of what we're seeing is this sort of extra space that's allowing Siakam to get back to his old way of scoring. Obviously, that 2019-20 team had a ton of space on it. They were starting Fred VanVleet next to Kyle Lowry. Marc Gasol basically only shot threes. You know, Serge Ibaka was spacing out, wasn't really around the basket either. There was a ton of room for Siakam to operate. And within this Raptors starting five, and this will continue to be the reason why I think they should keep on starting small with Scotty Barnes essentially as their five, or I guess it's OG, I guess it's Pascal. Who the hell knows? The the positions are fake (laughs) on this team, at least. I'm going to continue to persist that they should start small because it is the best way to breathe that space and just sort of extra breathing room for Siakam into the offense that I don't think is going to quite be there if they were to start Ken Birch, for example, if they were to slide, you know, Scotty up to the two, bring Gary Trent Jr. to the bench. I just think that's a little bit clunky. We're not totally sure what's what Barnes's three-point shot is yet. Teams certainly aren't respecting it the way they would a Gary Trent Jr.'s, for example, or any other sort of established shooter. And obviously Siakam's three-point game is not quite there too. That said, He has kind of added this whole new mid-range bag to his game this season. He's been knocking down mid-rangers basically at will. You know, when he can't get to the basket with his drives, he's perfectly perfectly content to pull up from 18 feet, and he's knocking them down. And it's been really effective and really fun to see him kind of add that. He had a beautiful crossover and sort of shimmy step move last night for one of those mid-range jump shots. And that's kind of taken the place of those above-the-break threes he was really taking in his season back in 2019-20. So other than that sort of slight change in the shot profile, it's been basically the same scoring-wise for Siakam for the last month and a half now, ever since he kind of got back up to speed once he returned from that shoulder surgery. And then when you also factor in the playmaking, I mean, the extra space is certainly helping with that. There's a ton of room for him to make these reads. He's not seeing three bodies and then passing to Stanley Johnson anymore. He's seeing one or two bodies and passing to Gary Trent Jr. or Fred Van Vliet or OG Ananobi, and the results have been really excellent. And so you're just kind of seeing all of these best elements from those two seasons 
with none of the really bad stuff, right? You think back to the bubble, for example, where it was just sort of post-up after post-up where it, you knew the result was going to be bad because the previous dozen times he did it, it went badly against Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart or whoever else was guarding him on that Celtics team. That's not the case now. He is not sort of getting bogged down in those clunky post-ups. He's getting downhill a lot more often. And he's just kind of, when he gets into the teeth of the defense, he's not forcing shots up when they're not there. He's making really good reads. He's finding guys cutting. His big-to-big passing is an absolute delight to watch. And he's been fantastic. Again, 25-11-7 over his last five games is a 56% true shooting over his last, uh, what is it, like 18 games or something like that since the November 18th blow-up against Utah as well. 58% true shooting in his last five, I should say. 56 since that uh, game against Utah. As I mentioned, 22.29 and 4.4 is his line on 56% true shooting since that Jazz game. 25-11-7 and 7 on 58 over his last five. Sorry if there was any confusion on the numbers there. Um, you know, he, he's really kind of helping to fuel this Fred Van Vliet off-ball explo- explosion as well. You know, Van Vliet has just been just dialed up. He's hit like 35 threes in his last six games. It's been insane. And Siakam has been a big reason why he's getting so many wide open looks because he demands so much attention because he is such a load that there's always going to be someone floating around and Ananobi, Trent and Van Vliet are all absolute dead eye knockdown 40% is shooters. There are going to be open looks for those guys when Siakam is drawing that much attention and you also have Scotty Barnes creeping baseline. It's just, I like the harmony you're seeing with this lineup and Pascal is kind of the straw that's stirring the whole drink right now. You know, the offense gets infinitely worse when he's not on the floor. They're at a 113.6 offensive rating when Siakam plays, a 106.4 when he sits. Only Van Vliet and Trent have wider impacts on the offense when they sit. You know, those guys make a lot of sense. They're going to be on the floor when they're, when the Raptors are humming along because of their shooting and ability to make shots. So yeah, that's not terribly surprising, but Siakam has really been a driver of the Raptors' offensive success this season. And it's just been... I, I'm just thrilled. <laughs> it's it's really vindicating to see a guy who was sort of maligned as this, you know, broken player. He can't get it done. Yada, yada, yada. Really kind of come into his own and silence a lot of people. And, and look, I think it's important to maintain some level of sort of perspective when it comes to this recent run of Pascal Siakam play, you know. My whole stance on him my entire time doing this podcast over the last couple seasons has been, look, Pascal is probably not a number one on a great team. And that's totally fine. And I also still think that's true. My sort of stance all along has been that Siakam is an excellent number two on a potential contender. He's literally already proven in some ways that he can do that. He was a two or two A, whatever you want to call it, at least in the offensive sort of responsibility department on that Raptors team that won the title. Obviously, he was not as good as Kyle Lowry in terms of like overall impact, but like offensively, he was able to carry the load of a number two on that team. And, you know, I, I just think that piece of proof is enough for me to not really worry about what the postseason sort of ramifications are going to be or whatever we're going to see going forward here. I'm just really excited to hopefully sort of see him continue to prove that he is this sort of number two guy who can prop up an offense, work off of a guy like Fred Van Vliet, who's kind of the number one in some ways, kind of not. It's it's again, there's sort of like a collection of guys who comprise the number one around Siakam between Trent and Anobi and Van Vliet. It's a bit of a weird construct, but I think everything that Siakam is doing is proving that if you get a superstar in here, whether it's Scotty Barnes develops into that, or you can flip many of your very tradable contracts and all of your picks that you have in the coffers for some kind of superstar who becomes disgruntled, Siakam is the guy you pair with that guy to potentially take you to 
new heights. And I think that's what this stretch has proven. Will he hold up as like a number one option in the postseason? I don't know. We'll have to see. That's 50-something games away. We don't even know if the Raptors are going to make the postseason, although they are 18 and 17 and, of course, uh, number seven in the Eastern Conference right now and very much breathing down the necks of that sixth seed. The Cavs are, I think, two games ahead, a game and a half ahead, uh, but they're tied in the loss column. So that is an interesting one. Of course, the Cavs have had a ton of injuries. We'll see if their sort of magic pixie dust continues on. They have the best net rating in the Eastern Conference, so maybe it will. But either way, the Raptors are very much in that conversation. I think Siakam is the reason, and I am just thrilled for him he just seems to be playing with such verve and happiness and joy and after last season where that was very much not any of the sort of descriptors you would use for Pascal Siakam it's been really really fun to see so you know again don't get too ahead of yourself and think oh now he's just uh you know full-on Giannis or anything like that he's not a number one on a championship team but he's proving that he very much can be part of the solution and be the number two on whatever the next great Raptors team is and I think that Rocks, frankly, is someone who has never sold a shred of my Pascal Siakam stock. We're going to continue on and dig into another takeaway I have from this game, which is that uh, Scotty Barnes kind of had his worst game of his rookie season against the Bucks last night. And it didn't actually matter because the Raptors still won anyway. And that kind of speaks to the sort of nice spot that I think Barnes is in, even with a lower sort of burden on this team now that they're healthy. I do think there's an interesting sort of pathway here for Scotty Barnes to make an impact on this team going forward where he's not sort of someone that the team is hinging their hopes for every single game on. We'll get to that in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Shopify. It is the sound. Do you hear that sound? What is that? Cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah, that's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business so upstarts and startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Believe me, this is, uh, you know, everyone kind of goes through it, right? Everyone has their entrepreneurial spirit challenge sometimes, but Shopify makes it easier for millions of businesses to go from first sale to full scale easily with all the resources that you'd hope a big company can get. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting on conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. And it's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash locked on NBA, all lowercase for a free 14 day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash locked on NBA right now, shopify.com slash locked on NBA. All right, we continue on here, breaking down the Raptors win over the Milwaukee Bucks last night, 117-111. And another takeaway from this one is that Scotty Barnes had his roughest performance of the season, or one of his roughest. I think you could kind of point to a game back in November against the Celtics, maybe, where he looked pretty rough. But this one... I think would go down as the one where I was sort of the least enthused by what I saw from Scotty Barnes. And that's all, you know, it sounds bad, but the fact that it's game 35 of the season and it took that long for Barnes to put up a very rookie like stinker is pretty bloody impressive and should not be taken for granted. Most rookies have dozens of stinkers in the coffers by this point in their rookie seasons. Not the case for Scotty Barnes, who's been essential to the team all season long. And look, I, I think with Scotty Barnes, like it, it's tricky. He's been in a weird spot because he's been playing so far in this sort of, 
you know, almost second option type role, 2A, 2B, whatever you want to call it, because he's been playing with depleted rosters all season long. He's been with Fred most of the time, and then it's been one of Ananobi or Siakam. Obviously, Siakam a little bit more equipped to take on a bigger burden than Ananobi, and so Barnes maybe even got a little bit more sort of rope to, to play with when Ananobi was the sort of guy who was there. You know, Siakam comes in, there's a bit of an adjustment period there. Those two guys seem to have some really great synergy, though, which is fantastic. But you're seeing now Barnes with just like a lesser role in the team now that the team is fully healthy, which is the thing we've wanted all season long. But of course, it's coming at the expense of Scotty Barnes getting shots up. And look, I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily that Scotty Barnes is seeing a little bit sort of a a dampening of his responsibilities because it's a lot to put on a 20-year-old guy to be this sort of be-all, end-all. I mean, again, we were two and a half weeks ago talking about how Scotty Barnes should like, oh, maybe he just should run the offense and be the guy that they flow stuff through. That was probably premature, and I, you know, I'll, I'll cop to that. I got a little excited. How can you not get excited about Scotty Barnes, though? Is the what I sort of <laughs> contend whenever you get a little overzealous with what he can be, you know, this season and or in the near future. He's very easy to, to get excited and hyperbolic about. And I think this game was a good sort of reminder that it's not going to be perfect all the time. In particular, his defense was really rough in this one. The first half, Drew Holiday was kind of performing death by a million driving kicks against the Raptors. The Bucks shot 63% from three in the first half or 62% from three, 63% overall in the first half. And a lot of it was just because Drew Holiday was getting into pick and roll actions where Scotty Barnes was getting switched on to him and Scotty Barnes was not having it. Or they, you know, I, I think they also made the switch to have Barnes be the primary on Holiday and he was having a miserable, miserable time fighting through screens, just couldn't do it. And he looked pretty clunky and slow. And, and honestly... I thought he took like a bit of a bump on his hip in the first half as well. Thought that looked like it might have been laboring him throughout the game. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that if there's any sort of injury report or anything like that on Barnes. But I thought that kind of hampered him. And he just looked like he was a bit out of sorts and a bit slow. Maybe he's still working back from obviously missing time with COVID and things like that too. So that has to be considered. But even then, you still see lots of really exciting things from Scotty Barnes. He had like the full-on Dirk turnaround in the first half. That really made me kind of think just about how special it is to watch Scotty Barnes do difficult things. Like he makes really difficult things like no look passes or turnaround jump shots or sort of quick rises from traffic for jump shots, whatever it might be. He makes it all look so easy when it's the most difficult stuff he does. And it's a kind of a remarkable thing. And some of the more fundamental stuff he might duff once in a while. Anyway, back to my point about this not really being that big a deal. I think you're seeing that Barnes is kind of going to assume that role that we thought he would at the start of the season, which is, you know, he's going to be a super utility role player, right? Like he's going to fill all the gaps. He is going to, you know, be like a backline defender for you. He's going to fill in as your backup point guard, which I think is such an important thing for him. And actually a a sort of an interesting note is they keep playing this jumbo super duper huge lineup where Siakam and Barnes are the one and two. And then they're, you know, it's either OG or it's Champagny on on the wing. And then you've got Boucher and Achua in the front court. That lineup, we're seeing Siakam kind of get a lot of the ball handling duties in that one. I'm curious if maybe there's a way to change up the second units to allow Barnes or Siakam to be kind of on their own, to allow Barnes a little bit more leeway to be the lead ball handler in those lineups. We actually saw Barnes late in this game run a lot of possessions with the ball in his hands with Siakam kind of playing off of him. I think there was a pick and roll that Siakam scored out of. And also there was uh, a couple of possessions that kind of began with a Barnes-Siakam pick and roll that sort of transpired into other stuff. But we're seeing he's kind of filling those, those connective tissue spots, right? And I think on this team... 
And I'm going to talk about this in the next segment, actually, and why the due to the game is so important to this Raptors team and why I think he should be playing more. You know, when you have this sort of stratification of usage on the team where you have Siakam, Ananobi, Trent, and Van Vliet all being very worthy of taking a lot of shots, you need a fifth guy out there who can just kind of fill those gaps. And I think, you know, Barnes is sort of doing, you know, he's playing a different position. It's an entirely different team construct, but he's kind of in that role that OG was back in his rookie season. He's got a little bit more responsibility, of course, because he is handling the ball and OG was just standing in the corner. But there was a real value to OG just standing in the corner and playing defense in his rookie season, which was he was not demanding a ton of shots. He was effective without needing the ball in his hands. And I think of anyone in the starting five for the Raptors, Barnes profiles is the guy who can most be effective without having to score a whole bunch and take 20 shots a game. Obviously, you know, Nick Nurse has talked a lot about Nick wanting Scotty Barnes to take more shots and has kind of bullied him into attempting to do so. Uh, But I think in this full sort of healthy version of the team, there's just not that much of a demand for it because Siakam and Van Vliet and Ananobi and Trent are really damn good at basketball. And And I think that kind of calls for someone to tie it all together like Scotty Barnes. It's also almost kind of like when Mark Gasol was that sort of connective tissue to fix the championship team when he came in. Barnes is kind of doing some of that. I don't want to compare him to Marcus Gasol. Obviously, that's not the sort of comparison to make, except for the passing, because it's super awesome. But that is the sort of idea here. And I think Barnes is really equipped to do that because he's a guy who's sort of wired to make the winning play and not the sort of selfish and self-serving play. He's really just good at a lot of things. Again, he can handle. He's been shooting threes more often and pretty liberally and, and eagerly. He has really improved on the defensive end more often than not. Last night was a really big hiccup for him, and you'd hope to see that kind of come back around. And really, the first half on defense for the Raptors last night was a nightmare for everybody, a huge hiccup for all involved. And that, to me, screamed a little bit like, oh boy, that's some of the rust and lack of chemistry that did not get exposed by some very, very easy opponents <laughs> in the first three games since they got held. And against the Bucks last night, yes, there was no Giannis, so it's difficult to draw full conclusions, but that was obviously a better team. You know, Holiday and Middleton are better than any players they've come across in the last few games, and that tested the Raptors' defense in a pretty serious way in the first half, and they got things sorted out in the second half. Yes, there was some just regression on hand and all that, but overall, I, I think, you know, the, the second half defensive performance has to be encouraging, and again, I think Scotty Barnes improved as the game went along defensively. And I, I think he just provides a lot of that connective tissue that you need on a team that's going to win some games. And hey, maybe this team is one that can win some games and continue on going forward and, you know, climbing up the standings in the Eastern Conference. And if that's the goal here, I think it's totally fine for Scotty Barnes to maybe be a bit lesser, lesser of a sort of front-facing piece in what the Raptors do possession by possession. But it doesn't mean he can't be effective because he absolutely can be away from the ball. And that is kind of the joy of Scotty Barnes. He doesn't have to be Jalen Green with the ball in his hands for you know 35 possessions to have an impact on the game. He can just do Scotty Barnes things, and that is going to be useful. So rough game for him last night. But overall, I think the sort of role he's moving into as he gets more comfortable with it, maybe gets his legs back under him, will be a pretty effective one for him to be in going forward. So with that, we're going to move into the dude of the game and hand out that award that we do on every episode after a Raptors game. It is the segment that everybody's talking about. And the man everybody is talking about, uh, at least when it comes to like nerdy Raptors corners of the internet, is on tap for the dude of the game once again. We'll get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, and they would like to wish you a happy new betting year as they continue to march towards the playoffs and beyond in all your sports. You got college football still kicking, you've got the NFL playoffs coming 
coming up soon. And then not too far after that, you're going to have basketball and hockey playoffs and baseball starting up. Maybe. We'll see. Hopefully. New year and a new updated desktop or mobile website. And you can sign up today right now and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use your promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word, to get started from football basketball hockey boxing and ufc right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait and take advantage of all the offers amazing offers available for 2022 bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports bet online is where the game starts all right we have reached the dude of the game the segment once again that everybody talks about everyone clamors for i have people messaging me during games you know putting in submissions for guys to be the dude of the game and guess what? The dude of the game for the game last night for the Raptors over the Milwaukee Bucks is, of course, Justin Champagny. Justin Champagny, you've done it once again, sir. Second game in a row, fifth time on the season. He leads the Raptors in due to the game wins so far. And I just got to talk more about how much I love Justin Champagny. Last night, 11 minutes played, three of four from the field, six boards, uh, sorry, six points, two boards, one assist, one steal was a plus 16 in his 11 minutes. When he's on the floor this season, the Raptors, let me pull up the lineup data, the Raptors on-offs this season with him on the floor, they are a 117, oh, hold on, bear with me as uh, (laughs) NBA.com freaks out on me. The Raptors with Champagne on the floor, 148 minutes, so pretty small sample size, but still a 117.6 offensive rating, a plus 12.7 net rating. The best on the team, obviously, that's not totally indicative because he's uh, you know <laughs> he's, he's not played a ton. But I, I think that sort of speaks to just how useful and effective he's been out there. And he really, I think Champagne kind of fits the same bill as a Scotty Barnes in that he's low usage but does good things without having to touch the ball. He's an incredible offensive rebounder, such a nose for getting to the glass. And he is now hitting threes a little bit too, which is pretty exciting. But last night really was just like the Justin Champagny standing in the right place around the basket uh, sort of uh, conversation. When he's on the floor, the Raptors are grabbing uh, that. Oh my God. My, there was a little piece of dirt on my thing. I thought it's at 89.4% of offensive rebounds. It's 39.4% of offensive rebounds. The best number on the team by quite a margin as well. He just drives a lot of really good things when he's out there. And I think you're seeing Nick nurse kind of grow his trust in him. And honestly, if I'm sort of thinking about the optimized rotation for this Raptors team, and, and it's a really hard thing to sort of draw any conclusions right now. I should say this, like it's really difficult to pull any conclusions because they haven't played good teams and if there's something I'm excited for, if there was something I was really excited about last night, it was playing against Giannis and a really, really good Bucks team. They didn't get that shot, obviously. The Jazz are coming up on Friday. Who knows who's going to travel with the team to Canada? That's become a bit of a sort of uh, concern. I know the broadcast teams are not traveling for the Jazz, so that's an interesting thing to note. And we'll see what happens with the players or whatever. It, you know, They had their first COVID case yesterday. We'll see how things go with the Jazz. But... I just want to see them against really effective and good teams to see if the sort of stuff we've seen over these first few games of being healthy against these depleted rosters is something that carries over against teams that matter. And they're kind of building up their sort of profile. They're, they're, you know, they're winning games against bad teams. That's what you want to see. If you're going to win a lot of games in the NBA, you got to beat up on bad teams and take care of business. Last night was a bit of a step up in difficulty with Middleton and Holiday, and they performed quite well. And, 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 you know, the second half was really just sort of passing with flying colors. 
hopefully we see a, a better sort of opponent coming up soon here. The schedule does get tougher, even though it's still home heavy. There's no fans, so who knows that that even matters. Either way, um, you know, that that's what I want to couch all of this with, is we don't really know just yet how real any of this sort of stuff that we're seeing over the last four games is, because the opponents haven't been good. That said, I do think there are some things you can pull, and I think the eye test is kind of useful here, just in terms of how guys fit together on the floor. And we've seen the Raptors roll with this very sort of large and clunky second unit. And it's worked. Like, they've made it happen. The, the start of the fourth quarter last night, the Raptors kind of blow out the uh, the Bucks with that sort of, or this was, sorry, two nights ago. The Raptors blow out the Bucks with that jumbo lineup. And, and I mean, they did it again last night just with a different iteration of it. So it's kind of carried through here that Siakam and Barnes' backcourt is been working inexplicably it's bizarre and weird and fun as hell and it's some of the weirdest lineups i've ever seen the raptors roll out and i want to see more of it but my point is is that those lineups still have a little bit of clunk to them they're not totally smooth well-oiled machines and i think justin champagne potentially getting inserted into those in place of someone like precious achua could be a way to make those lineups sing even more because again champagne doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective achua is not effective with the ball in his hands necessarily but that feels like him being involved in the offense is kind of how you take him from where he is to another level. And he can sort of impose his will on a game when he gets the ball in his hands once in a while. I don't think you really want him having the ball in his hands in these lineups. The spacing is really clunky. There's nowhere for him to operate. And you just rather see Occam or Barnes have the ball in his hands to, to begin possessions and, and whatnot too. So I think if you were to swap Champagne in for Precious in those lineups, it would make those bench rotations feel a little bit less like a square peg in a round hole they're still bringing four guys off the bench who are sort of bigs by trade i i think especially once they're healthy and you get yuta watanabe back and maybe svima hailuku although i'm not sure if you really want to have him playing rotation minutes but yuta has been really effective obviously he brings spacing he brings versatility he can be sort of on the wings for you and you're not sort of feeling like you're playing up and playing with sort of this like stodgy lack and cramped sort of lineup if you throw Champagne in there in place of a Chua next to a Boucher or a Birch, I think that is kind of the way to go forward here if you want your lineups to be sort of set up best to succeed because of all the things Champagne does on the margins to help any lineup he's in succeed. That that That's kind of where I'm at. He's just doing a better job right now of playing the sort of low usage big man role than a precious Achua is. And, you know, I think you could probably oscillate between Boucher and Achua depending on, you know, who's playing well. Is someone hot? Is is Boucher having a rough night? Maybe you bring Champagne in in place of him or, or whatever. But I think overall on merit, I think Champagne, like, is undeniably just playing better than Precious Chua is right now. And I think he deserves to get minutes ahead of him. Even though he's just a two-way guy, there's less invested in him than Precious Achua, the prize return for Kyle Lowry. I think now that the sort of focus for this team, I think, should have switched to winning and winning as many games as possible and climbing up the standings, I think Champagne is the guy who gives the, the best chance right now. And he's just doing dude stuff whenever he's out there. He is like exemplary dude of the game material with all of the stuff he does without ever needing the ball in his hands. It's an absolute delight to watch. And it's really cool that a guy who in college was this sort of central figure for his college team was the most important player, leading scorer, had the ball a ton. He comes to the NBA and the Raptors and they kind of see something in him and he takes what they're giving him and adapts into this really intriguing role player. It's a, it's a pretty cool story and I'm excited to see it continue on because Champagne just does the right things. He's out there and he's not screwing up, which is a really effective thing with this Raptors team because the starters don't screw up. They're all very good. Whenever they're they're playing together, you know, it doesn't even matter who the starters have been this season. The starters have been by your as rule like very very good consistently throughout. 
and you just need subtle contributions from the bench to, to get by because of how good the starters have been. And Champagne feels like a kind of guy who can give those subtle contributions, score six points in a pinch, all on putbacks, essentially, and become a, a really useful piece for you. So really great stuff from Justin Champagne. Uh, the best Raptors rookie last night, I say. Um, and that's quite saying something because Scotty Barnes, even with a pretty down game, still does pretty awesome things every time he touches the ball because he's a delight. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. I'll be back again tomorrow. Katie Heinel is going to pop on. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to talk about just yet. We'll see sort of what comes out of practice and, and stuff today. We'll look ahead at the Jazz game as well. And I think we will kind of dig further into the idea of what is real and what is not and what are you pulling from this last week or so of games to sort of go forward with and say, hey, this is something that I'm going to be watching for to continue on into the future. That will be, I think, probably a big part of tomorrow's episode with Katie Heinel. So please come in and stay tuned for that. That'll be up mid-morning on your Friday. Until then, thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe to, rate, review, tell a friend about the podcast. You can support the podcast for free on all your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. And thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on bets as your boy Q and Lee Sterling are making sense of the totally nonsensical sports betting landscape during the wave of COVID that is hitting every corner of the sports world. They're still helping you win money, even though half of these teams have guys that I've never heard of. They have heard of them, and they're very, very smart at what they do. So go listen to Lee and Q over at Locked on Bets. That'll do it. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. <laughs>